Hey everyone, today's guest is actress and comedian Ellie Kemper from The Office and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Over the last few months, I've been re-binge watching The Office. We need a word for re-binge watching. Is there a word? So even though we just met, it feels like I've known Ellie for years. She's just so good. I'm also excited to welcome back Dr. Alex Katahakis, who joins me at the end of the episode to help answer your questions. Dr. Alex is the clinical director of the Center for Healthy Sex in Los Angeles, a regular contributor to Psychology Today, and the author of multiple books on erotic intelligence and healthy sexuality. You can hear more from Dr. Alex on the Alex Katahakis podcast. And please don't forget, I want to hear from you. Visit unqualified.com and send us your questions, your answers, and your stories. Now here's Ellie. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Ellie, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I can't thank you enough for reaching out. I mean, I'll just say it. I'm your biggest fan, so I'm absolutely delighted and honored to be here, especially during this time specifically where things are a little grim. It's such a bright spot. Ellie, can I start out with envy? Truly, career envy with somebody that I admire. You are fucking incredible. No, no, what? Listen, that is me for you and for a long time. I've always known that since I first saw you in a movie, which I think it was a scary movie. It's like, oh, you can't teach what you do. You just have it. I feel like I have had a lot of cases of being in the right place at the right time, which I am forever grateful for. You know, it's like you never know how something is going to work out and timing is such a big piece of it. I was thinking about you though and how our careers are kind of parallel. I was thinking about how it irks me maybe when people describe me as sort of uh, quirky. Sometimes, well, I'm 40. I feel like people mean that in a nice way. It's a weird adjective. It's so patronizing. Right? (laughs) And I feel like it's almost problematic that it is meant as a compliment because it's like you call a baby adorable. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, but I would never describe you as that. I just thought that that would be a good gateway as to how you and I have maybe been described or like underused. That's exactly right. <laughs> I guess it's the, I don't know, desire to put things to categorize, to arrange things, to put, not, I, I was about to say put someone in a box, but by that I mean like, oh, you know, well, you don't usually hear men described as adorable, or certainly not quirky. I don't know if this has ever happened for you, but where it affects real life, where someone assumes that you're that, in my case, like a redheaded clown that you play on television. And then you think, oh, but this is real life now. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And then you think, oh, but that doesn't. It doesn't define me, you fucking dick. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you a series of questions? Yes. Okay. Are you sure? I'm sure. Yes. I hope I know the answers. I've been so starved for human interaction. We'll see how I do with a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll start out this with an easy question. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, you made it very easy for me. Thank you. Yeah. My favorite, it changes, by the way. It changes, not monthly, maybe four times a year. Currently, and for a while, we've been holding steady at Ben and Jerry's milk and cookies. 
Have you had it? No. Oh, milk How and is cookies. it different from cookies and cookies cream? Cookies and cream. They have different cookies in it. It's not Oreos and vanilla ice cream. It's all different kinds of cookies. In it. All right. You know, I feel like it's chocolate chip and an Oreo. For someone who claims this is her favorite flavor, I actually don't know enough about it. I don't know the specific varieties of cookies that are in that. That is my favorite ice cream flavor at the moment. Ellie, what is Midwestern cynicism like? Is it well hidden? Is it like buried deep beneath the snow and only emerges like when the first sun appears in March? I think what you just named is what it is. So I grew up in St. Louis. I love St. Louis. I love the Midwest. When I moved to New York, I realized that really is a very real thing that people in the Midwest are warm. I'm not saying they're warmer. They're warm. They're friendly. It's interesting because the cynicism, I think that, you know, any brief interaction with a acquaintance, I don't think you're going to see that cynicism. But I think that when you are like called to it, I think it's some of the like most wry cutting, funny cynicism you might find, if that makes any sense. You know, because where did you grow up? I grew up north of Seattle. Okay. But it sounds like I always have to qualify that a little bit because it wasn't Seattle. Like I grew up truly in the suburbs in a cold, dark, rainy, depressed area. And, but geographically when the sun is out, like there's nothing like it. Sure. It's the mountain ranges and it's just glorious. Yep. But you went straight to New York. You went off the deep end into cynicism. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, in a different way. Yeah. New York, it's like badge of honor, right? It's like nothing will crack this face. Exactly nothing you can do to surprise me. And isn't there such a pride taken in that? Right. And I feel like in its own way, it's much friendlier because it's direct. So it's like, I mean, for better or for worse, there's not a huge amount of time wasted on pleasantries. Not wasted. That's so judgmental. There's not a lot of time spent on pleasantries, or at least it just takes a different form. But you're so right. Because you go from this very, you know, warm, friendly place to a place, like you said. Or it's like maybe the definition should be more of like the patterns of communications. Like how we do this part first, where Mm -hmm. we like, you know, make everyone feel comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if it ever has taken you aback when like a friend has betrayed you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so Ellie, that's my next question. When has a friend betrayed you? you. Now, are you asking me? Because I kind of am. It wasn't on my list, but it seems like an interesting question. But it it seems like a very interesting question. And I really feel like I have not been betrayed. Let me think here. Have I been betrayed by a female friend first? I'll go through that list. Yeah, that I know about. That's the thing. There's so much life left to live. Who knows what I'll find out? I know. I know. I have been very lucky. I don't think I've suffered a lot of betrayal. I'm trying to think of when I have let people down, which is many Times, no, no, but- no. The only answer to that question is like, oh, yeah, when my high school friend Stephanie fucked right. my boyfriend. The right. There's only one answer. There's only one answer. If it didn't happen, <laughs> which I haven't had that happen, then there you go. <laughs> Being from the Midwest, can I ask you something that's mm-hmm. such a fucking West Coast question? Bring it on. Are you scared of open water? <gasps> like actual open water. You have hit on something. 
I am. Oh no. Would you go to a beach? Well, truly the visual of being around, even just knowing that it's there, the ocean right. makes me feel like, oh, I can escape. Like somehow. Even That's though great. I don't know how to boat. No. And the water truly terrifies me. Do you not know how to swim? I do know how to swim. You could stay afloat. Yeah. I could, kind of. Yeah. yeah. You can't count on me, Ellie, to save you. <laughs> Do you have any of those things? I bet you're comfortable with lakes. I am fine with a lake. So, and St. Louis is actually the intersection of the Missouri River and the Mississippi River. See, so, I love a river. This is the kind river. of shit that I don't know. So, I, uh, so well, I'm embarrassed. Why would you know that? I only know that because I grew up here. My husband, who grew up in San Diego, he wasn't too sure of Missouri geography, and. It, embarrassed himself in front of my family. But this was years ago. But the thing is that I'm embarrassingly bad with geography and it's not something to even like mention because it's sort of unacceptable. But in any case, I do know about the Missouri River and the Mississippi River because here's where I grew up. I love a muddy river. I have total ease around a muddy river, which the Mississippi is very muddy. But in terms of the ocean, I don't love an ocean. And I don't know if it's because of the Midwest, but I remember once being with my grandma who then lived in New Jersey. We were at a Jersey shore. I don't know which one, but I just remember she introduced the concept of the undertow to me. And she said, be careful. It can bring you out. It can bring you across and without you even realizing it. And she said, the ocean is much stronger than you. And I remember thinking, that's impossible. I'm me. Like I'm a person. How can an ocean be stronger? between sharks, between undertoes, between wild waves. I don't love an ocean. I feel you on that. I love it that you love murky water. Yeah. You're like, that feels fine. I'm there. I'm fine. And there's something about it. And of course, it's because it's so mixed up with childhood and field trips to yes. the arch and to the river boats and all of that. But there is something, like when you fly into St. Louis, wherever you're coming from, I mean, Maybe I need to write a novel about this. I'm, it's just occurring to me now, but there is such a comfort there with that river. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I love that sentiment, though, because I feel the same way. Yeah. We have this ferry boat system in Washington State. Mm -hmm. And just seeing a ferry makes me feel comforted. Right. Like the familiarity. Yeah. And maybe because we moved away from our hometowns. We crave those things. Well, that's right. Right. And being here during this sort of, well, quarantine and then not quarantine and yes, kind of quarantine again, it's a strange sensation to return to where you grew up when you haven't been here in a long time. And it's totally unexpected. It's weird. I am so impressed that you are doing it, but also maybe it feels incredibly comforting. It's just a mind warp because you're like, am I an adult? Because it's not like I moved here like I have friends who moved back here because they decided to do that because they, their, their jobs took them here or they wanted to be near family or whatever it was. Ours was by accident. So it kind of feels like, I feel like a teenager again. <laughs> it's made me become even more irresponsible. Yes. Can you even conceive of the future right now? I can't. No. 
I'm having a real problem doing that. Me too. That makes me feel better. But the idea of like, what are we putting our energy into right now? Uh, I feel like I should get the pillowcases washed today somehow. I love that. <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> like the dishes, the laundry, everything, which you do normally very quickly. Now I feel like I'm like, it must be perfect because I have control over this. 100%. The silver lining of this weird time is that we are able to spend time that we wouldn't otherwise necessarily spend time with the people we're with that you're taking time on relationships that might not otherwise have seen that time, I guess. But then I feel like it goes, for me, completely 180 degrees where you're like, there is no tomorrow. <laughs> yes. It's one or the other. Completely. Yeah. Okay. What was your favorite toy as a child? I actually remember this. One of the favorites. Do you remember the Skip It? Yes. Yeah. How would you describe it for our very um, young, young listeners? It, it's it, a, it was like like almost a big beginning tool for like awesome jump yes. roping ideas. That's exactly right. It would get your legs trained to be able to do the awesome. And you could do it alone. Yes. Yeah. That was key. So you were a lonely child. Yes. A lonely child. I remember doing it in the basement and on the driveway. And the best thing, which I believe is from the theme song, remember the counter on the ball. <gasps> yes. The very best thing of all is the counter on the ball. It counted. I believe it was like a, I mean, it was certainly manual, but it would turn every time you skipped. Every time you made one revolution, I guess, it would count. And so you would see how high you could get, how many skips in a row you could get without, I guess, tripping. And I remember being very competitive with myself. You have to bring this back. (gasps) This is the summer. You are so right. Everyone is alone. Everyone's alone. Everyone's doing at-home fitness. You're not wrong. We could put like a little like soundtrack to it. Mm-hmm. Skip it. Skip Let's it. skip it. Yep. 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 You had a lot of good ideas. This Thank might you. be one of the best ones. Well, <laughs> did you have a semi-solitary childhood? I have three siblings. They were obviously always around, but I had my younger sister, Carrie, and my best friend, Katie Purcell. We were like the threesome. So I didn't have like... We were the trio. I guess I'll use the word trio rather than threesome. (laughs) I felt like at least until junior high, it was just us. So solitary, I wouldn't say necessarily solitary, although now I have to walk that back. But Ellie, at that age, especially like a trio of friends cannot work. Wasn't one party member betraying the other? You're so right. And the added dynamic of one of these girls being my sister, my younger sister, you you aren't wrong. There was Katie and I, Katie was my neighbor. We were the same age. So we sort of like allowed Carrie, my sister, into our activities. But I do think there were some times when... She's mad at you? Yeah. She can't be allowed. I know. I was mad at my brother. You're the younger? Yeah. It's just yeah. my brother and I. But yeah, it was like... You know, the younger sibling, like, hey, include me. And was he? No, he wasn't. He was not nearly as kind as you were. What's the age difference? I feel like the age difference plays a part. Three years. That's hard. Carrie and I are four years. I think four years gives you the distance. You don't feel competitive with each other. Yeah. The sibling thing is so, it's fascinating. My husband's an only child. I have three siblings. He's much more easygoing, generous, gracious than I Does he roll like his eyes like after like a stressful Thanksgiving or whatever? Like, can he absorb things and be like, oh, honey, you're so right? Or is he more like, babe, like it's time to chill out? Like what's his take on things as an only child? 
That's interesting. First of all, when you are used to a smaller family and then you're just like thrown into a larger family, I think it's overwhelming, of course, because it's so many people and so many voices. But I think, yeah, he's so calm. He's like used to be the observer. He's like, right. oh, okay, yes, I see this, all these things that maybe he wanted at some point in his life. And now he's like, now I have it, but I'm okay at being like the boat offshore. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like when you can see the drama from a distance, then you're like, oh, well, this seems so maybe unnecessary. But when you haven't lived with like a sibling irritating you from, you know, ages three to 20 on a constant basis, right. do you still have the emotional investment? <laughs> Right. (laughs) I would imagine it would be frustrating to be like, no, 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 you don't get it. This is why this bothered me so much. It's because these are threads that have been woven into the seam of our family for Mm -hmm. decades. And isn't that (laughs) stuff crazy? Because it is immediate when you reunite with your family, the ones that you grew up with, you're like, immediately transformed, right? Aren't you? Yeah. Every dynamic, every thread is oh, in completely. place. completely. Yeah. I only have my older brother, uh, but we grew up close to our cousins and aunts and uncles. Like, mm-hmm. I found myself three days ago getting really angry at my cousin for a memory when I was maybe nine, when she turned a hose on me and just sprayed me out of the blue. But I was like... <gasps> This is humiliating. And I wanted to hit her. Yes. And I was thinking like, oh, God, that's like one of the more powerful memories I have for my beautiful cousin that I love. But those those elements, those are like weaved into our thing. 100%. (laughs) Yes. And good luck trying to change that because it is there. Yeah. I started doing some meditation apps. And by the way, the cheesier, the better for me. I don't even want to like disgrace the world of meditation with what I'm doing. I'm doing like cheesy mainstream, like breathe in, say you are vast, breathe out, say you are flexible. I don't know, whatever the things are. And I realized during one of them, I was like, I literally was like, I don't want to change. Yeah. Because I, I, I was like, no, I'm not getting mad about stuff. <laughs> I, I was like, me getting worked up about stuff. I was like, that's part of who I am. I'm not going to change that. And I was like, a realization I had where I thought I would relive that incident over and over again. And I do. And I'm like, and I get mad all over again. And that's just how I'm wired. So good luck. I'm a grudge holder. Me too. (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, what was your first boss like? First boss was, I think her name was Jack. I think it was short for Jacqueline because I remember J-A-C. That's what's coming to me. She was my boss at the Crumbs Bake Shop in New York. And I had summer jobs in St. Louis before that, but this is the first boss I really remember. And she was great. She was firm but fair. And I had an early morning shift and Crumbs sold cupcakes and other pastries. And I remember that for an actress who's supposed to be able to memorize lines, I had a lot of trouble remembering the ingredients in these cupcakes, but there were so many different ingredients, like in such different iterations that it was like, I couldn't keep them straight. Wait, Ellie, did people ask you on a regular basis? Like, hi, I want the chocolate cream. Like, but can you tell me what's in it? That's what it was. And then you had to say, like, well, there's a flour and there's butter and um, we put in cocoa powder and... (laughs) My God. Excuse me. It was on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. So you know those ladies wanted that information. But they didn't really fucking want it. They didn't want it. They wanted to make trouble. (laughs) Totally. Like, you are in a cupcake store. Like, enjoy yourself. They were so mad to be there. I don't know if they were mad because they had given in to their craving and were getting a cupcake or whatever it was. But they were unpleasant. Ellie, I wish you had lied. I wish you had just told those ladies, just like, you know what? This is like, first of all, it's gluten-free, sugar-free. It's remarkable how I've lost weight with these cupcakes and I work here. (gasps) And you know what? I feel like I would have been doing them a favor. That's all they wanted to hear. If they felt they were making the smart, healthy choice, then I give them this delicious cake and they're none the wiser. So you're welcome, to the Upper East Side ladies. Yeah. But anyway, Jack would drill me on these every morning. And it wasn't like demeaning. It was just she wanted me to get them right. And I I had a real block, a cupcake block, a baker's block, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they call it. But anyway, but she was great. And then one day, this was like when I first moved to New York. So I was taking improv classes. I was doing stuff at Upright Citizens Brigade. I was doing that stuff. And I remember that there was a class I really wanted to take but it was at like two in the afternoon or something. It conflicted with my work schedule. And I quit the job to take this class and I gave like no notice. And Jack was, you can't just quit today and not come in. And I said, I guess I can do it for two more weeks, but I'll miss my class. And she was very understanding. Oh, that's nice. It was really nice. What'd she say? She said, I know that's why you came to New York. So like best of luck, whatever it was. But I did leave her in a pretty bad spot because she didn't have someone to fill that shift, but she was very gracious about it. It sounds like she was fair. She was great. Yeah. And it was my first real, I think, again, it sounds so to me like a little bit immature, but it was really like, I felt like I'm in New York. I'm trying to work this job so I can support a dream, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. But it felt like a real, you know, an adult responsibility and probably quitting to take a class wasn't the adult choice, but It was nice that she was understanding, I guess. It was, clearly. All those things are building blocks. That's right. All right. What is the best or worst advice you've ever been given? I think that the best, and I don't do this ever, but the best advice that I wanted to follow more is, and get this, it's from an agent 
but I thought it was smart. Maybe this is the best career advice. No, it, it leaks over into real life. It was an agent who didn't want to work with me, but he was like, however, you need to bet on yourself. And I thought, he's so right. Because if you don't bet on yourself, people see right through you, you have to have confidence in what you're doing. This was 15 years ago, maybe. That's hard to follow because I often don't trust my gut. I'm like, your gut is usually right. I don't always trust it, but I do think you have a strong reaction to something for a reason. Yeah. My grandpa, who has since passed away, surprisingly, he was not in the entertainment industry, but he said, like, when I moved to Los Angeles and started doing, you know, the pilot circuit and everything, and I was explaining the difference between a manager and an agent and lawyer and whatever it is, and he said, and he pronounced her name Jolly, but he said, well, Ellie, you know, Angelina Jolly just has a lawyer. <laughs> his point, I guess, was, why do you need anyone helping you? You are just as stunning and as talented. You and, and you have the you resume to show it. Yes. I love that. There was some wisdom in that. Again, I didn't have the heart to say it's Jolie, but I think the idea there is you can do yeah. more than you think you can, right? Yeah, completely. Ellie, I want to do a camp movie with you. You would be an awesome camp counselor. I don't know that I would. I think I might get impatient. I am good at playing certain things, but there might be a time where I feel like I'd say, okay, guys, that's enough. Now just stop. It's the discipline thing. When my patience is worn thin, I'm on to the next. We got to explore this. A summer camp movie. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do fucking camp. Please. Okay. What's your favorite rainy day movie? Something that I'll always stop for is a league of their own. Just take it away. A league That's of their such own. That's a great one. Is that Good the perfect call. movie? Thank you. Yes. I mean, is there a better movie than a league of their own? There's no movie like that. I know. You know, I think the tragedy is that Gina Davis, like, decided to go back and be with her war-torn husband. I know. Raise children. What the I fuck? Know. I know. Get Come out on, there. Gina. She was. Gina. You could have started so much. <laughs> I know. Turns out she did, and she's amazing, and she loves this podcast. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have, no, no. That she, like, had tweeted about, it, and I was like, oh, League of Their Own remake. Actually, that is something someone should do a remake of. Correct? Does that like me? If we're in it, do I we have to learn mean. how to play? No, play baseball. That's the only thing. And remember mm. all the training. Balls seem so hard. I take it back. Don't do a remake. It's going to be hot. <laughs> There's so much running and dirt, the dirt sliding into third. Yeah. (laughs) Ellie, what's a trait you dislike in others? Oh, in others. Um, I thought it was going to be about me and I was ready to go. Okay, good. In others. Okay. This might be controversial. I like it when people follow the rules. And in that, I like it when people are, uh uh-oh, I like it when people are polite Now, I don't know that maybe we need to dig deeper because not everyone needs to be polite, but I think that manners are important. Like, I feel like as a society, we have to have certain standards and like rules of conduct in place in order to function in any like civilized way. And so when people disregard little things like, you know, not standing in line to things such as not saying thanks. Yeah, I don't like that. I think that that is a tad reprehensible. So that's what I dislike in others. A disregard for manners. I love that. Yeah. And what is a trait you dislike in yourself? I'm very impatient. That can work for you if you want to get something done, but it also works against you with like 
close friends and family when you're impatient and like, I have a short fuse. I'll go from not being mad to being very mad in three seconds. I try to like get better at that, but I will never be known as a calm person. I've accepted that. (laughs) I'm too impatient. Do you have anything like that or are you pretty steady? I think that when my anger rises, it feels, of course, like anybody's anger, very justified and very all-consuming. Correct. Of my body. Yes. Like if you're zero to 10, let's say, in terms of mood level, uh, zero being, let's say, the angriest and most miserable, I hover around a seven if 10 is your okay. happiness. Yeah, so, right. like, So then if I fall into like a two, it can be dramatic and jarring. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who gets angry, I would say displaying a little bit of anger can also be effective. Not even that you're intentionally doing it, but like if someone sees you get angry, okay, that person's angry. I better, you know, get my act together. Right. And I'm thinking of several different people in my life. When they do get angry, my response is, oh, they're serious. <laughs> like, oh, they mean business. <laughs> now I've taken to again during quarantine when we're like, you know, with a lot of the same people, a lot of the time, I've gotten really good at being like, not actually yelling, just saying. Now it sounds like my meditation apps informing me, but just saying like, I am livid right now. And just saying that is effective. It's like helpful for the situation. I really need to adopt that. (laughs) Because that way I feel like you're all trying to help the situation. So it's like, just so you know where I'm coming from, I'm livid. So where is everyone else at or whatever it is? Look, I don't know. It to me feels like whatever the issue is, you're one step closer to resolving it, but also you are in a way letting off steam. I don't know. We should buy a few things at like garage sale or just some china from Ikea that on occasion we can throw. Just smash. Just smash. I think that's helpful. I think it'd be kind of rad. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year – where would it be? There is a really beautiful section of France. I have relatives who live there and it's in Normandy. I don't know about the winter. I've never been there in the winter. It might get a little like actually visually dark, but in the summer, it is the most gorgeous place on the planet. It's so serene, calming, beautiful, just stunning. And the food, everything is so natural. Completely. Okay. So what haven't you taken the time to learn about? Oh my. It doesn't have to be like, because I have, as I ask these questions, I tell my guests that I haven't answered them a lot for myself. Yes. But with this one, I think a lot about, like, I wish that my vocabulary was stronger. Yeah. I feel like my brain has gotten foggier as I get older and I don't know why. And I need to sharpen it because I'm just really, I'm so scared of becoming senile. But in terms of like building vocabulary and something like that, I'm like, yes, correct. To label you're trying to describe the emotions that you're feeling, whatever that is, having a better vocabulary in that sense. But also I feel like I have not taken the time to learn about so many issues confronting our country, both now and, you know, in the past hundred years where it's like, it's so easy to get so wrapped up in your own day to day and your own work and your own family and your own friends and all of it that especially It's like, where do we begin with everything that's happening over the past few months? But so much that I just didn't know. I'm so with you. Yeah. 
I just thought of a new one that maybe you and I could learn together someday. Tell me. Okay. How to forage in the forest. Yes. And like, how do we make nettles stew? Especially with our camp movie, we're going to need to know this thing. Yeah. During lunch, in between takes, whatever it is, we are going to master that craft. Yeah. What slugs are poisonous. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Ellie, another difficult question. Yeah. In one word, how would you like to be remembered? That's so hard. I think I would like to be remembered as kind. I know that I'm not always kind, but I think that's the most important value. I love that. That would be the best word. And do you have a favorite joke? Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I like it when people fall down, so long as they're not hurt. (laughs) I like farts. I think they're funny. I just do. Everyone farts. I think it's funny. I like really sort of base. I like physical things. To me, there's nothing funnier than seeing someone's umbrella get turned inside out in the wind and the rain. And it's so funny. That is really funny. It's so right. funny. It is really and funny. And how that person reacts to it. Do they play it off? Do they accept it? It's like, oh, two days ago, I was going for a run and I fell and it was a slow, slow fall. Oh, no. And I kept trying to like catch myself. And I was so, of course, then embarrassment takes over. Like, who saw me do this? I fell while jogging. Oh, no. That is so embarrassing, but also wasn't hurt. It's so funny. Like, everyone is so vulnerable in that moment. Oh, completely. Unending. But I think it's that. It's like seeing that happen to me or to someone that it will always make me laugh. I love that, though. Yeah, it's so funny. We're in the world of comedy. And if yeah. we can't, like, learn to laugh at ourselves. Yes. Yes. Um, Ellie, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for having me because, as I said, I'm such a fan. And also, it was so nice to talk to you. I feel the same way. Thank you for doing this, and thank you for spending the afternoon with me. Right back to you. Bye, Allie. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Bye. Hey, dear listeners, I'm excited to welcome back Dr. Alex Katahakis to help answer your questions. To learn more about Dr. Alex and what she does, you can go to her website at alexkatahakis.com. That's A-L-E-X-K-A-T-E-H-A-K-I-S.com. At the end of our call, I'll also share a few other resources and information that I hope you find helpful. Hi, Dr. Alex. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Anna. Thank you for having me. Okay, we're going to call Jennifer. 
Hi. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Good. I am here with Dr. Alex Katahakis. She is a, a true professional and knows what she's talking about. Hi, Jennifer. So, Jennifer, please tell us what's going on. Um, so, yeah, of course. So, last year, my husband had an affair with, well, I would probably be safe to say with a friend. She was a guest at our wedding. Uh, so, and it's just been, it's just completely destroyed me. It really has. I'm just finding it so difficult to move on. We have two children and I recently found out that she is also pregnant as well. And I think what it is that I'm struggling with is why am I finding it so difficult to get over when, you know, all these things have happened. It's just this is of the more that happens to me, the worse I find it to deal with. I am so sorry, Jennifer. Thank you. So Jennifer, how long ago did you discover the affair? It was last April. Just barely a year, right? Yes, that's right, yes. And this woman was a, quote, friend? Yes. I mean, she wasn't a particularly close friend, but we were acquainted enough that, you know, we were friendly with each other. We had conversations. We would sometimes keep in touch. And as I say, you know, friendly enough that she was actually invited to our wedding. She was there to help celebrate with us. Right. So this is a double betrayal. This is really, really, you know, extremely painful. And what you're experiencing is what we call betrayal trauma. And, you know, women that are blindsided like this often experience a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms like an inability to sleep, images running through their head constantly, weight gain, feeling sick to your stomach, you know, diarrhea, inability to eat. I mean, all of the symptoms of an acute stress disorder or PTSD. So have you had any of those symptoms in the last year? Everything. Yes. Everything, Everything you yeah. said. Yeah. And so that's because the attachment system in our brain and in our bodies is really robust. When we fall in love with someone, when you have children with someone and you mm-hmm. trust them implicitly, our brains actually grow neurons that create networks where we recognize that person as our person. And when there's a betrayal like this, it feels like a physical loss, like somebody's just sawed off your right arm. And the level of pain is physical and visceral and real. So I really want to validate the pain that you're going through and that it's not, you know, just in your head. It's in your body and in your head. Jennifer, I can't even imagine what you're going through. And, you know, then to be blindsided by another woman just adds insult to injury. And now, is this baby his baby? Yes. I think what else makes it difficult is at the beginning of this year, he actually left her and asked me to, you know, take him back. And I said no. Good for you. But it was difficult and it wasn't actually what I wanted. Right. I think I was possibly hoping that we may have been able to sort to work it out. I've been with my husband for 11 years. You know, I don't know anything else. So when I said no, he went back to her. Right. So he seems like he's quite lost. And I said, good for you. And you said no, because no should have some contingencies to it. 
no, you can't come back unless X, Y, and Z happens. And this mm-hmm. is where it gets challenging to hold and set boundaries to say to him, you need to get help. You need to see a therapist. We need to have boundaries around you talking to this woman ever again. Like you get to set the conditions under which he comes back. And then you really have to watch what he does, not what he says. But okay. it seems to me that he clearly has a problem. Dr. Alex? Yeah. Is it relevant how Jennifer found out? Sure, of course. Do you want to tell us that, Jennifer? How did you find out about the affair? Basically, I found it through social media. So my husband was diagnosed with depression a few months before I found out about the affair. And he lost somebody very, very close in his family. And I think it was that that sort of set off this turmoil of events. So in March, we were at a wedding. I don't drink alcohol, um, but he does. So he was quite drunk, (laughs) quite intoxicated. And while we were sitting at the dining table, he was messaging her. Now, I didn't think anything of it because we know who she is and she's a friend. So I genuinely didn't really think much of it at the time. However, he made a comment to me when I had noticed and he just seemed off. He seemed a bit, I don't know, guilty, I suppose. Well, now I know that it's guilt that he was feeling. And then when we got home that night, it's something I've never done, but I looked at his phone, which is not something I'm particularly proud of because it's not something that I would have normally have done. But I just felt this overwhelming sense of there's something not right here. Oh. And I found messages through social media, which confirmed it. And then he apologised and said he was sorry. And, you know, he was adamant there was nothing to it. They were just being silly and whatnot. And then about a month later, he told me that he was going to his friend's house and he has literally never returned. He actually ended our marriage over a text message. There's there's not even been a a conversation about anything, really. (laughs) Dr. Alex, what does it mean when somebody wants to be found out? I mean, this just sounds so incredibly reckless on his part. Let me ask you this. Do you think he has a drinking problem? No, I don't know. Okay. He does drink, but only, you know, recreationally, but he doesn't drink all the time, no. Okay, so he's not an active alcoholic because that would add some complexity to this. No. Right, but he is using sex to get some kind of validation and he was going outside of the relationship for that validation. And you have no way of knowing if it's just this one affair or if he's involved with other women. If he's constantly seeking that then he really has a very serious problem. It sounds incredibly painful that someone would end a 12-year relationship over a text message. And clearly that he's feeling some remorse that he tried to get back together with you. But I still think it was wise that you set that boundary and said no. I also want to respect that you love him and that you're loyal and you've been with him all this time. And he has a problem and he needs to get help because he's sick. So if he's willing to get help and really willing to look at and understand why he's done what he's done and make changes, then you actually could have a marriage with him. But those are big contingencies to set. And, you know, he's clearly in pain himself. So what is it that you want to do now? I think I know that there is absolutely no future for us. I have started 
divorce proceedings. But I think what I'm struggling with is just the fact that I didn't want any of this at all. And I long for the life that I had. I also confuse and I I frustrate myself because I know I deserve better. And I know that he is no good for me you know it's it's not right for me to be with somebody like that I don't know why I just seem to want to cling on almost to this life that I had and I just want to try any step that I possibly can to you know have my own recovery I do unfortunately think that this whole pandemic and lockdown it's it's not helped because I haven't been able to distract myself. I've not been able to get out to see people. So I'm I'm hoping that now that things are starting to ease off, that I can, you know, find some sort of way that I can cope better. But I just don't really know how to start. <laughs> Dr. Alex, when you are the faithful party member in a relationship, how do you not absorb the idea that somehow you're not good enough. Right. I mean, it's such a large issue, but it's an important thing to recognize, right? Yeah. It's extremely challenging because I work with betrayal trauma all day long with people and women really feel like they've been hit by a train with this sort of thing. And that's why I think you're right, Jennifer, you need a community of other women who've gone through this. You know, it's really important. Your head sounds like it's still reeling from this. And I want to answer both of these questions. You're clinging to the past because you had a life that you loved. You had a husband you loved. You have children that you love. And what was your reality was not really your reality. There was something else going on that you just didn't know about. And so the blind side of that is, again, like being hit by a train. And so you're disoriented. And instead of facing the present, which is filled with pain and grief and loss, it's natural for us to be in sort of fantasy or recall about a past that seemed idyllic. And parts of that were real and parts of it weren't real. So it's important that you not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but that you be in reality about who this guy is. And Mm -hmm. turning and facing the future is really what's required of you to grow and change. And, you know, your courage is what you need right now to do that and not clinging to the past. So divorce proceedings is a powerful move forward, even though it hurts like hell. Yeah, And then, you know, to Anna's point, for you to affirm yourself that you are beautiful and smart and capable and his bad behavior has nothing to do with you. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't ask for this. You didn't treat him poorly. I mean, we have incidences. We see it all the time in the news and tabloids where beautiful celebrities are cheated on all day long. And it's like, okay, if you're going to cheat on that woman, then you're going to cheat on anybody. So you cannot do double damage by throwing yourself under the bus like that. And it takes work. It takes a lot of vigilance to state affirmations, surround yourself by people who love you, that affirm you, and not to start digging through the past or trying to figure out what's going on with him so that you can remain mentally healthy for yourself and for your children. Yes, I, I I totally agree. I understand. Uh, Jennifer, I'm so sorry, though. Do you have uh, supportive friends and family? I have had the 
most unbelievable support I could ever have wished for. Everybody has been incredible. They really have. But I also struggle with myself sometimes. I worry that because this literally consumes me. I talk about it all the time and it's just fear that I, <laughs> I'm starting to really annoy people because I'm you know, needing that help. But I just feel that unfortunately whenever I seem to be getting to a point where I'm almost feeling a lot better and I'm starting to focus on my future and you know thinking about what I want and then something else happens I mean my husband told me that it should have always been her and that he regrets marrying me oh dear I'm so sorry that sounds unbelievably cruel Jennifer it is cruel I'm sorry too I wouldn't be too overly concerned that anyone in your life that loves and cares about you is tired of hearing of your pain at all. Yeah. I think I know that deep down it's just difficult. And um, like I said, the news of the baby coming too, I, I, that's just a complete other level. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm trying my best to figure it all out, but I'm just really struggling with it all. I just want to go back to that heinous statement he made to you, that cruel statement that it should have always been her, that's his shame and he's blowing his shame through you. Mm -hmm. It's really important that you understand that, that he feels an enormous amount of shame about what he's done. And so instead of owning it, he denigrates you with it. And there's a gross amount of gaslighting to that, or he's turning the tables on you so that you think, oh my God, it's me. Yeah. And so you cannot take that kind of cruelty from him. He shattered your heart and he's not qualified or capable to take care of it. You have to do that. And I appreciate how kind you are and how much you're considering that while this baby, you know, it's not this baby's fault, but this baby is going to be a half sibling to your children and you're going to have to deal with that down the road. Yeah. I think it's hard to not absorb those feelings of like, God, am I crazy? Am I insecure? Am I jealous? Am I not worthy of being married to? Like, it has nothing to do with you, Jennifer, that this is his own fucked up journey. And look at the wake he's leaving behind him. Yeah. Now he's got three children that don't have a father and two women who he's emotionally destroyed. And this guy's going to leave a lot of destruction in his wake until he hits a bottom and gets help. Yeah. So all you can do is look forward and get the support that you need. So I really hope that we can give you resources for online support groups for partners of betrayal trauma. There are books that you can read workbooks so you can do some writing and start to really shore yourself up because you're right. Your friends and family, I've had this experience myself years ago where my best friend actually said to me, you know what? I think we're at the point now where you need professional help because I can't help you anymore. So you can cry on your shoulder of your friends and family, but at some point you want to be with other women that are going through the same thing because they're going to have a lot more space and a lot more understanding and good advice. And you walk through it together. You're not alone doing it. I'm so thankful that you are able to share this with us. I think it's just incredibly courageous. And I know that your story, Jennifer, will be incredibly helpful to a lot of people out there. For you to be so open and honest about this this trauma, it's really amazing and a gift that you're giving a lot of people. 
Yeah. I mean, we have studies that show that women who suffer betrayal trauma often isolate. They don't talk about it, which is the worst thing in the world you can do. So I would encourage you to keep telling your story because it's important for your own healing from this trauma. And as you do it, you know, you are helping other women also. Yeah. Every time I talk about this, like I hear myself when I say it out loud, I hear how he is with me and I cannot believe I've even got any ounce of sadness towards him. But it's just not the way I'm built. I'm just not built to be cruel or, you know. My ex used to say to me, but you know me, you know me better than anyone. Like, I don't know what I'd do without you. You know me. After doing something incredibly painful to me. And I mean, at first it was like, I guess, okay, you know. But after a while, I started to recognize how manipulative that was. Mm -hmm. But right now, God, it's really raw. And I think it will always be a painful scar. But like scars, I think that take comfort, Jennifer, that the pain will become much more dull and you have two beautiful children and a loving family and friends and you're an amazing person and I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. Thank you and thank you both also. I honestly cannot tell you how grateful I am. This is incredible. (laughs) Thank you. And take good care of yourself, Jennifer. Thank you. Bye, Jennifer. Dr. Alex, thank you so much for doing this today. Your advice is invaluable and um, sure is humbling as well, (laughs) but in the best of ways. And I would love it if you joined us again. You're welcome. And I really appreciate what you're doing. I think this is enormously helpful, as you said, to a lot of different women. Um, And so these conversations, I think, are super important and need to be had over and over again. So thank you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. All right, you too. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot. So much. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Before we go, I wanted to share some information and a few resources from Dr. Alex. The best place to start might be with Dr. Alex's book, Mirror of Intimacy, Daily Reflections on Emotional and Erotic Intelligence. She also recommends Conscious Uncoupling, Five Steps to Living Happily Even After by Catherine Woodward Thomas, and Moving Beyond Betrayal, The Five-Step Boundary Solution for Partners of Sex Addicts by Vicki Tidwell Palmer. You can also look for the Center for Healthy Sex on YouTube, where you will find experts talking about betrayal trauma. I know these issues can be hard to talk about, let alone deal with, and I hope you find these resources helpful. We will include links to everything on the Unqualified website. Thank you, dear listeners. Talk to you next week.